Hello and welcome back to another episode of Promote the Hell Out of It. My name is Misael Trujillo and this is the podcast where I chat to people worth shouting about, try to figure out what keeps them motivated, the tips that have kept them going with their art, with what they create, with their business, whatever it is, how they market themselves, uh, learn from the mistakes, all that kind of stuff. And on today's episode, I talk to Catherine Woods, who plays in Fresh, Me Rex and Cheerbleeders, three great bands that I consider really important to the current UK DIY punk scene. Um, Fresh actually released a new track called Girl Clout, which is absolutely amazing and incredibly topical, something we obviously talk about on the podcast. Um, but considering all the, the shitty comments men seem to be leaving uh, in regards to Sarah Everard's murder and women feeling unsafe and women speaking out about it, and it's obviously a really important conversation. Uh, and the song was was amazing. We'd actually planned this conversation in uh, before I knew they were releasing, Fresh were releasing that song. Uh, they were recording at the time. Um, but it was a great conversation and I was really excited to chat with Catherine because we've kind of missed each other, bumped into each other at gigs, but I moved to Barcelona and was then traveling when Fresh started being more active. Um, and it's a band I really love. And now that Catherine started playing for me, Rex, another band I loved, uh, I was excited to catch up and figure out what, what keeps them motivated and so busy in the punk scene. Uh, cheerleaders are a band that I haven't had the pleasure of catching live, but I absolutely love the releases. So I'm absolutely excited for gigs to come back so I can catch Catherine in all three bands. Um, thank you so much to Catherine for coming on the show and chatting. If you want to support the show, you can buy me a coffee in the link in the bio. If you want to start your own podcast, there's a link for Buzzsprout. That's what I use. Um, yeah, enjoy the podcast. So, how have you been keeping with all the madness that's <laughs> that's been going on the past year and a bit now? Yeah, it feels like it's become like the mundane now because it's been going on so long. But um, yeah, I guess mostly okay, as okay as anyone can be. I think band stuff, touring swapped out for recording and writing. So at least yeah. I feel grateful that I can still do band stuff, you know? That's good. It's good that you've managed to like put that energy into something. You don't want to just get stuck thinking about how shit things are, right? Exactly. <laughs> you got to go record as well. How was that? Yeah, it was good. I've been I've been recording a lot for over the over the three bands I'm active in. Oh nice. So yeah. So yeah, I feel I feel really lucky about that. And Fresh just finished. I think it was about 12 days with one day off halfway through. So Whoa. that was definitely the, the, the most marathon recording I've done in a while. Uh, but it feels really good to just be busy and have like a really focused goal. Um, Cause like right now everything's so up in the air otherwise. So for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Who did you record with, with the fresh stuff? Uh, so for fresh and actually for every project, um, Rich Mandel. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. From happy accidents. Yeah. That's um, really cool. And I suppose new Rex now. Um, yeah, he's, he's like a wonderful producer and I really, I think we really trust him with fresh stuff and he kind of gets it. So that's yeah. really good. <laughs> it's it's good when you find someone you've got that connection with, especially for recording, you want to feel comfortable and if yeah. you're doing 12 days, you definitely want to feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I feel lucky that we have, that we have that person. 
Is that someone you've recorded with all the all the fresh stuff with? Um, so the first fresh record was done at the Raj in Southampton with Dom Wright. Yeah. Um, that was also really good. Um, but we did that album in three days. So that was, you know, just because we didn't have the money. Um, but then everything after that, so all our singles, withdraw the album, and then everything I've done in my band's cheerbleaders and a lot of recent Mirex stuff has been with Rich. And I've toured with Rich um, and I play in Mirex with him. And we we hang out. Well, we used to hang out when you could still legally hang out with people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I'm very used to working with him and vice versa. We We also, I kind of... I don't I don't work there anymore because of COVID, but we used to work at the same recording studio. Oh, so, that's really cool. Yeah, every way that a person can be related to each other except <laughs> by family, I guess. <laughs> that's really cool. We get so much out of that interaction with other people that can't be quite replaced the same online. Yeah, I think like there's nothing more validating than physically playing shows okay. as a band. Um, but I was saying this earlier to Dan, our drummer is like, at least when, when all the tours were canceled and stuff, it kind of, it, I don't really think of it or look at it as like a, what could have been mentality because it does seem like everyone is, you know, at least in the UK and mostly in the world is in the same boat. So it doesn't feel like we're missing out on anything until I watch an Instagram story in Australia and New Zealand. I was just about to say And then I cry real tears. But apart from that, you know, it, 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 it kind of just doesn't feel real still, which I think is good. And yeah, but after, after a year, nearly exactly of, of over a year since we played our last show, yeah. you're really, the toll really does. Yeah. It does take a toll on you. That's it. And I think there's something to be said for learning to, to develop relationships away from, from stuff, you know, it's, it's good. Mm. It's just reminders to check in on people. That stuff has mm. been, has been healthy reminders, but I don't think any of us expected it to drag on quite this long. I know. I remember when, when it happened in March, we were like, wow, Manchester punk festival has been canceled. Wow. Oh, All the yeah. April things have been canceled, but then we were like, oh, but July will be fine. Like, <laughs> and how wrong we were, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it feels weird that I think that, Fresh started playing more shows as I moved to Barcelona um, right. because I caught you at Washed Out Festival a few times. And then when we came back to the UK, the Nervous and Koji show you did at Joiners, which is wonderful. Um, oh, such all, all three amazing bands. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but I've never chatted to you other than that because we missed the show in uh, we were supposed to play a show together and it all got messed up with shit present right yeah it's been I a remember, long time yeah coming. i remember meeting you for the first time at washed out i think yeah, yeah um, that's it yeah and that feels like worlds away now that would have uh, was that the one where i played acoustic or the one where we played full band i was at both i was oh, at both because i was yeah. i was flying over i was still flying over from barcelona at the time um, oh. and obviously i need to be at washed out it's like Mates fest. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Brighton um, is such a great place to have a festival. Yeah. I know. I like where, you can where walk you to every venue and stuff. I'm in London, but I did I did live in France for a year, so I do know oh, the wow. flying back for, for things. I remember I flew back for a weekend with milk teeth and I was oh, cool. so tired. <laughs> Whereabouts in France did you live? 
in the south, um, oh, nice. in the in the Montpellier region. Although Montpellier yeah. was about four hours away, it was really okay. rural. <laughs> yeah, I know I know Montpellier, but yeah, I, I've driven through south of France to get to Barcelona before. Yeah. Um, I love it. Do you speak French as well? I do. I so what is it now? My, wow. So last year was my final year at uni, um, and I'm still sad I didn't get a graduation. But um, I did French. Uh, and oh, cool. Part of my degree, I worked as an English teacher in in a high school in the south of France. Ah, uh, so um, cool! Yeah, it was it was it was great. Uh, I do remember being very stressed about because I think withdrawal came out while I was in France, and so I was we we managed to figure it out. But touring and living in different countries is a bit of a, a headache. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Um, I I did it for a year and a half. And mm. it almost broke me. Well, it did. It did yeah. break me. <laughs> That's why I yeah. stopped. I stopped. But yeah, it was. It got pretty intense. Um, it can, it can be done, but yeah, exactly. It's 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 very stressful, and you have to make some sacrifices. <laughs> for sure. And I, I tell you, the worst thing for me was flights after a tour. Like, hundred percent mm. going to get ill when I get home. I was ill for like every single tour. <laughs> Just a broken person for days. Yeah. yeah. So. I find it really, really encouraging uh, how much time you've got for the punk scene. Like playing in three bands is hard work. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. when, especially when they're touring and stuff. But even the writing process is is a lot of work. Yeah, it is. But I mean, th- the trick is, and I had no social life at uni. Um, I went to uni in London where I lived. Uh I only, the first time I had like a uni social life was when I moved to another country and I had to make friends. But I think all of, it is a lot of work, but it's also all of my social stuff that I need. So, you know, like touring, and I think that's a pitfall of it because if you look at touring and playing shows as just like a holiday, you know, it isn't. It like, as you were saying, like it takes a huge mental and physical toll on you. But I do kind of treat it like that in that, I don't have I don't have many other friends outside of, of band stuff. I relate, yeah. Um, which is good. Like and um yeah, and and for writing and recording and stuff, I think the fact that I have different roles in each band, I'd say obviously Fresh is my most full-on band because I write all the lyrics and all the songs, but for other bands, um, like for Cheerbleeders, it's like 30% each way or 33.33 recurring however you think of it um and yeah for me Rex I just play guitar I don't write any any lyrics I just write my own parts how do you find um the marketing side of like having to market the band mm. on social do you enjoy that I I do I I love I love being on the fresh on the fresh socials um I don't I don't do much of it for the other bands or like I do for Chibli's, that's kind of just like a collective thing. We'll all decide what we want to say or yeah. stuff. And Phoebe is our drummer in Chibli's is really into like Instagram and stuff. So that's fine. But I, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, it is exhausting. And like this week with Girl Cart coming out, I had to like go to the app settings and set like a time limit on Twitter because I was <laughs> just like, but yeah, I I like it. I, I'm, I think I'm quite an extroverted person. So especially now when you're not, seeing as many people as you were saying like you're not touring you're not getting that communication from people who like your band like it is nice to just spend seven hours at a time on twitter and then regret (laughs) your life choices (laughs) no for sure do you do you find it tough to keep positive 
because that's my my problem is that if I spend too much time on social I just get really depressed like I made the mistake of listening to what uh the prime minister was saying answering today and almost wanted to cry after about five minutes yeah it's I I feel like I'm on a learning curve with that because when COVID started for the first time in my life I was I mean I'm I've always been like politically involved but the first time in my life I was obsessively opening the BBC news app about five times a day and just reading everything there was about COVID even when I wasn't interested in it or even if it wasn't relevant to me and it was just like a reflex um and so I recently kind of like in the last two months I've like deleted the BBC news app um and I'm trying to like yeah I remember obsessively watching the press conferences as well getting annoyed by everything um and in in the same way, like this week with everything that's been happening in the news, um, it's been weird because it's really exciting to have a new song out and to have new music as fresh out for the first time in a long time. But also like the internet right now and Twitter, even if, you know, your, your dash, your profile, your timeline is a really positive space a lot of bad things like filter through and yeah I've I'm I definitely haven't learned how to handle it and this week it's been like a real roller coaster of oh this is great like I'm so happy that people like the song and, and horrific things that are happening right now um but yeah I I I've I've got I have gotten better but I haven't at all gotten on top of it yet like I've got like like I suppose coping strategies or like other hobbies to do I think that's a cool thing about lockdown. Like we're, we're not playing as much music. So we're kind of forced to develop other aspects of our personality a bit. Like today I went for like a, a 10 K run and I like saw. I listen to music. Um, but I also like cannot be on my phone obviously. So that's really nice. It's like a nice like time to switch to like switch off and stuff. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's, it's, it's such a strange one because it's so important to, I think, realize how many shitty people there are. It is important yeah. to not form this this place where we think all our friends are the whole of the UK. Because unfortunately, like a it's, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you try and filter out to have at least some social media where it's you're in control of it, and yeah. and the, just idiots everywhere, and and just people who don't want to shut up when it's not their turn to speak is yeah. And we've not just it with this case, but with Black Lives Matter, we had it. It's like a yeah, absolutely. continuous repetition yeah. of the same thing. And it's it's sad. It's very tiring. It, it, it's so it's both like exhausting and like infuriating and just like, yeah, it's it's horrific. And like, I think the problem is that Twitter and Instagram primarily are like seen as the important social medias for bands to have. And they are really good at like getting your message out or your music out or whatever but they're also like really reactionary topical apps and they also rely on current affairs and so if if really horrible stuff happens you're you're not going to be able to avoid it as you said even if you know you have a really nice bubble of like-minded people it's just you yeah. know punk is political so all your punk mates are gonna and of course they should yeah well yeah it takes a toll <laughs> yeah 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 that's the thing that you choose well, I, I, I hope that we choose our friends quite carefully. Um, yeah, absolutely. But even within the punk community, it's sad that then you go on, yeah. like, yeah, you go on forums or whatever, and it's like, why are these conversations necessary? I did not expect yeah. this conversation to be necessary. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's, well, not the conversation not necessary in this circle. Like, it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. These comments shouldn't be happening in this yeah, circle. Yeah. Um, not in the larger grand scheme of things. And obviously... Um, 
girl clout is amazing. I love it. Um, but the timing lyrically was like fortuitous, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was like yeah. Couldn't have been said at a better time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's 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 crazy because it. That's the thing where you're saying like we shouldn't have to be having these conversations in a supposedly like in the most liberal part of music society, aka punk. Um, but you know, if that was the case, girl clout as a song wouldn't exist. Exactly. But yeah, it's 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 bizarre. Like it I I hope that just because of like the chance that it happened to coincide with Sarah Everard's murder and the horrific things that have been happening like this past month. I, I hope that it's like furthered people hearing about that or maybe getting involved or having a conversation that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, but, you know, like I'm sure I know that much bigger bands and bands with a lot further reach have have been really engaged and active on, on it, which is really nice to see. And some of those bands haven't even been women. Um, I think a lot of a lot of male bands have like fallen really silent about it because and I'd like to give them the benefit of doubt and imagine that they're feeling a bit awkward and they don't know what to say and they don't want to take up space. Um, but if you're a big male band and you're and you're not using your platform right now, I think that's a mistake. I do understand the kind of like when Black Lives Matter happened, like everyone in Fresh is white. Um, but I think you know, if you have even the tiniest little audience, you should try and kind of start conversations because as you said, like maybe they assume, Oh, well, we're a punk band. We tour with XO. And so, you know, they know that we're, that we, that we think black lives matter and that women should, you know, not have to live through male violence. But like, I was shocked by when I posted stuff, some people were like, kind of like not trolling because they weren't doing it on purpose, but they would just like, being ignorant like in the comments and asking stuff. dumb questions yeah and I was like like oh it's just it, it makes me so angry but it also is not surprising because yeah I don't think we talk enough about any kind of social issues for yeah. the amount of like political clout that punk bands have I don't know completely and I think that when I say that the conversation shouldn't be had within punk circles I'm specifically talking about the, the Sarah Everard comments that are coming out and people yeah. not listening to to women feeling unsafe. Um, yeah. In regards to, to your song, um, that's a conversation that's 100% necessary because, and mm. I think that every male person in a band should feel awkward because we've all, yeah. myself included, been in situations where we let jokes slide, where yeah. we let things slide and that's not okay. And it's a conversation that is that is needed. Um, and I think that's where people are making a mistake in not speaking up. They're feeling awkward for things. And as opposed to learning and speaking up and using this as an opportunity to change, they're feeling awkward and not saying anything. And that's, that's a problem. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a big mistake. And I get it because I think in terms of like literal representation and quotas and allyship, I think white women are doing better than a lot of other minorities and so I have that same freeze up impulse when when issues of race come up and like god I'm the least you know qualified person to speak on that but I will always try and be okay with being corrected because you know and yeah and just try and like elevate black voices and I feel like 
I mean, I can't, that's all I can relate to. That's, but I imagine that's how men feel when this stuff happens. Like, I don't know. Ugh, yeah. It's, it's a shame, but yeah. I mean, at the same time, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It must've been tiring coming out of recording such a positive experience and then like releasing yeah. the track and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, Tough time. Um, it felt like it was a really weird environment to release music into. I think if it had been, it, yeah, if I, if it hadn't been a song like Girl Cloud, I would not have been promoting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and yeah, like last like last week, I've delayed my podcast episode a couple of times because I'm just like, it's not, the, I don't want to derail from this conversation today. Um, and obviously it, it's a weird one because you're trying to market your stuff, but then yeah. all our conversations are on social at the moment. It's not like we're having this at the pub. So derailing yeah. from it on social sometimes doesn't feel right to do it's like it's a weird one yeah that's true yeah and then also it does feel like I don't know what I don't know why you know or I couldn't get into why but it does feel like every month the government is fucking up so you can only you know delay your things so far and that's why I'm you know that's why I'm not expecting everyone to drop everything and you know change the nature of their band or podcast or blog or whatever but you can, I think you can do both at the same time. You just have to be like, just like, as long as you come from a place of listening to the people affected, you're not really going to go that wrong. <laughs> and if you do go wrong, someone will tell you, like when we posted, uh, we went to like, we, we were at the Black Lives Matter protest in April and then we used the Black Lives Matter hashtag. And then someone on Instagram was like, oh, could you not use that? That's for, that's for black people who are trying to find other people. And like, it's just, we don't want white faces in the hashtag filter. And I was like, oh, sorry. like. Everyone makes mistakes. Um, sure. It's fine. You just got to sure. be try. I don't know. Willing to learn, yeah. Willing to yeah, learn exactly. and change, yeah. Um, yeah. It's really obvious that you're you're passionate about the punk scene um, <laughs> and the morals that it, it's supposed to come along with. Um, can you attach that to a memory of what made you love the punk scene at all? Um, I think if it wasn't for the punk scene, I would just have been like. In a, in a way worse place in my life, I just would have been in trouble or I would have been like, yeah, just not healthy. And like, I, I was lucky in that I went straight from having quite, I, I think I had a turbulent teenagehood. Um, and then by the time I was about 16, 17, I'd gotten over the worst of it and I'd straightened out. But I think having the protection of, of being in a band and having a purpose and having like a lot of like kind of like unconditional support from people just because of music kind of just gave me confidence and I think stopped me from being quite self-destructive. So I think, I think through that I've seen how like a local community scene and like how, you know, before, before I've been in the band, I'd never been anywhere else really in the UK. Um, I don't have any family besides like my immediate family in the UK. So like being able to, to kind of get out of London and, and yeah, just kind of open my mind a bit and yeah, see beyond me really helped me um, in terms of my mental health and just my, the course I was on and like, yeah. So I, I, I love the idea that other people our band is one of those bands for other people in the, in, you know, in the amazing trifecta. Like I love that when maybe if you think of Muncie girls and shit present and 
I don't know, other bands like Martha, you might think of Fresh. That's really cool to me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love I love hearing stuff like that. And and I think it's really important to to find out these things, you know, because you see people supporting the punk scene and you see them so active. Mm. And for for a lot of people, that's tough. It, it's tough to be that active. So normally there's a reason why. Yeah. Right. There's a reason why. And I was the same for years. Um, and and obviously once uh, I'm 30, 31, coming up to 32 now, once myself and my partner had each other, it became like I eased off. After a few years, I kept touring hard for, for yeah. a few years, but I eased off the amount of gigs I'd go to every every week. But for a long time, it's all I had. Mm -hmm. It was like the thing I was looking forward to and what was helping me not be a shit human being as well. Exactly. Yeah. If you, if you feel isolated and, you know, your family and school or later in life, you know, just your, your social circle, social circle, like don't understand it and you feel alienated. And then suddenly you're in a room. This is why I always found live music, even from like, my first ever show was like a Micah Mocker romance show when I was 14. And like for the first time I was in a room with people who knew all the words to these songs. And before that, no one at my school did, you know, like I would, if I wanted to talk to someone about my chemical romance, I'd have to go on Tumblr. Like, and so I think yeah. to, to a smaller extent, um, it, it's just, yeah. And yeah, I just being part of, uh, like being one of the gang, is such a validating thing. And I think that's why I like being in a band. It just gives me confidence and yeah, it, it yeah, it, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. No, really, really awesome. And I love hearing stuff like that. It's really encouraging. Uh, My Chemical Romance is a really cool first gig. <laughs> it was the really iTunes cool. festival and they played Camden Roundhouse and I headbanged so hard at my neck hurt the next day. <laughs> I I like to pretend my first gig was Foo Fighters, um, That's pretty but it was actually uh, Fast Food Rockers. Can you remember Fast Food Rockers? No. That pizza, a Pizza Hut, a Pizza Hut. Oh, was McDonald's that? No, I think, I thought that was just like yeah. the theme tune of Pizza Hut, but that was an actual band. That was an actual band. What was the and venue? Was, what was the it situation? Was one of these Butlins type oh, things. Okay. Um, yeah, and that was that was like my first gig. That song. It does. It does. I, I danced along for sure. Yeah. I didn't headbang to it. Um, but yeah. Um, can you remember the first CD or record you bought? Um, it might not have been the first, but I remember being on like a family holiday in Spain, kind of a resort holiday. And my dad was like, I'm driving to the Carrefour to get whatever the week's food. You could get two CDs. And I got A Thousand Splendid Sons by Linkin Park. And I got Dookie <laughs> by Green Day. This would have been like 2012. Um, so definitely like, especially for Dooku, I, I came out probably in 94 or something, but like yeah. long after they were, it wasn't a new thing, but I'd never heard of it. And I picked it solely on the album artwork. I was like, this is cool. And I remember like playing it in the hired car stereo and opening the lyric book and really liking the like zine style with like the photo. There's like photos of the Bat of Green Day and like black and white. And they look very like cool and punk. And I remember really being struck by that and just being like, wow, this is cool. And the, and yeah, it's still one of my favorite Green Day albums, probably my favorite. But yeah, I love it. So that's really cool. Did you choose both those based on the album artwork? I think so. Yeah, I think artwork is super important in to me. I'm like, even now when I'm, you know, when I used to be able to go to record shops or like 
most often now if I'm like on Spotify or whatever or scrolling through Twitter, if I see a cool, you know, album artwork, I'll listen to it. Um, I think that's why I got into bands like like Elvis de Presley and kind of like more lo-fi stuff. And that's I think that that's what that's why Fresh uh has always used like those kind of photos, like disposable camera kind of like lo-fi things. I think that's really cool. And I remember, yeah, I yeah. Like that. That's really cool. No, no, no. That's awesome. And I, I used to do the same. I had thirty pounds EMA money uh, from school, and uh, I used to go into H and V at the time and do the three for ten pounds and just walk around and, and see what records looked good. Um, were you doing that specifically in the like rock section, or were you doing it? Did you get into other types of music too? Um, yeah, I, I I remember going to H and V and getting. And kind of like buying an album because I liked, so like I remember buying like a Red Hot Chili Peppers album because I liked By The Way and stuff and I never heard it. Um, but yeah, so when it was that, I would always go straight to like the rock alternative uh, bits uh, in like HMV or like in more like commercial stores. Like as a teenager, I was super anti-pop because, you know, every teenager goes through that edgy thing where they don't want to admit, you know, that they, you know, like anything that isn't, screaming guitars but as a child I was super into Abra and Madonna and Elton John and ELO and Queen kind of more light stuff um and then as I got to like 16 17 18 I started going to shows at Banquet Records I would like I would be I would just go wild there and just because like the whole shop is like the rock section so I would just kind of like Pick, I remember getting into modern baseball because I've, I really liked the album art for sports. It's that it's that photo thing again that's so really good. popular in the emo, emo yeah. kind of 2014 era. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, it's so important having places like Banquet. Um, back when they had the Peel as well, oh, I went. I was to at so the last shows, ever though. show at the Peel. It was really? the day with the front bottom supporting. Um oh, yeah, and I, what a I show. It. it was great. Um I I used to they, they their shows were technically 18 plus at the Fighting Cox, but I remember sneaking into shows like Pop and Voice Manor <laughs> and the Hotelier and stuff. Um because I remember it was like kind of like, you know, we wouldn't even drink there. We just like we we wouldn't even try, you know, we're too scared to push our luck, but we just <laughs> we just knew that if you kind of just looked chill enough. <laughs> it was such a nice community space that no one was going to question if you walked in. So, <laughs> how long have um, you been playing guitar? Uh, I well, I got a guitar for my fourteenth birthday, and so awesome. I started from then. I just like you know those like YouTube tutorials with the guys in yeah. tutorials, and they'll teach you how to play like Living on a Prayer. I start with that. <laughs> <laughs> then, Can you remember the first song you tried to play? Do you remember like trying to play? I remember the first chord I played was a C chord because my friend showed me. And I remember like wailing, living on a prayer, um, <laughs> whether it was my first one. My first song was probably like something more like pedestrian, like Ed Sheeran or whatever, whatever someone was. Yeah. But I had a really good guitar teacher at school, at secondary school. And he would like, I remember the first time I played guitar standing up and with drums accompanying me was Basket Case. And oh, nice. drums, and I'd learned the power chords, and I, I felt like I felt like I'd like just tried like heroin for this first time. Like I was like, this is fucking, I want to do this again, and I will do anything to do this again. Um, 
and yeah, he used to, he used to, I think he knew kind of like, he was a session musician, my teacher at that time. And he knew loads of people. So he would get me like shows into shows like fallout boy and stuff. And he said, you know, as long as I wrote a review, he would be like, yeah, you can go see. That's so cool. So yeah. It's such a good feeling that like, and yeah, obviously there's loads of things that you learn like bits off and stuff to, together, yeah. but that first song that means something to you that you yeah. remember is, and, and it's funny because mine was a green day one as well. No way, Although my, my, my brain's gone blank and it's uh, it's the really, really, really depressing Green Day song that was in the charts. But uh, Oh, wait, me up when September ends? Or no, you're going, 21 going Guns? Back, going, 21 back, guns. F- going back further. It's like an, an old that. one. Um, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to... Yeah, I need to know for science. Another fork in the road. Da-na-na. Oh, time of your life. It's, That's not depressing. Time of your life. It, well, <laughs> you always play it, that it, it, one <laughs> at like graduation. They play that at like high school because it's yeah. like, leave it's like a new beginning <laughs> so I, I this is why it's depressing for me because oh. it's a song I played it uh, on the last day of like my primary school oh. uh, it's, it's so fun. and it's like I we were all going to separate schools and I was leaving everyone that, and it was, that's very yeah, bittersweet it makes me sad yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do remember learning that one quite early on as well because <laughs> it's it like was, yeah it was easy, isn't it <laughs> that's it that's it um but yeah good memories of it how long's Fresh been a band now? Yeah, I mean, we're not the new kids on the block anymore. <laughs> sure. Um, I guess, yeah, I... So I played bass in my friend James Rowland's band. Um, and then that dissolved. And then he agreed to play guitar in my new project, which I called Fresh, and he recorded the first two EPs. And it was kind of just him and me until we found... Um, drums and bass so but that that first release came out in 2015 so yeah six years now I suppose that's really I I count it from the first EP coming out as opposed to like I suppose we were we only started touring once the album came out but I can't be bothered to do that but um (laughs) James plays guitar in Kira Kira Benito now so oh wow so, you know, he's almost as famous as me. <laughs> <laughs> and what about joining um, Me Rex? When did that happen? Well, Miles joined Fresh in, I want to say, 2017. Might have been 2018. He joined Fresh and then we immediately went on like a three-week UK tour and then immediately went on to a Europe tour. And it was it all fit fit like a glove. It was great. Um, and then when I kind of before the summer before I moved to France, whenever there were acoustic, I think people would ask Fresh to do an acoustic show and then my house would already be there. So I would, we would then just do an acoustic Mirac show as well. And so I learned the parts and like, I, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of Mirac and then once we, I lived in France, we did a big Europe tour that was Fresh Acoustic and Mirac Acoustic. So I was already playing in Mirex kind of like on a touring basis, like casual basis, I guess. And then Rich was Rich was already interested in recording Mirex. And then they needed drums for Flood, which was a full band song that came out. I don't remember when, probably 2019. Um, yeah. And so because they needed drums, Phoebe was as Phoebe's Rich's partner. So he was like, I'll come down and record drums. And then it, it, it sounded so good that Phoebe and Rich were like, they, they obviously were huge B-Rex fans as well. So once I heard that Phoebe and Rich were planning on jamming with Miles, I was like, can I come? 
And Miles is like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I kind of just worm my way in because I'm a huge fan and that's been great. We only, we've only been able to do one tour and a few shows before COVID hit, but we did a tour with cheerleaders and we played, we played a show at Crywank in London, a show with Jeffrey Lewis in London. Um, and then everything locked down, but like, we've got so many plans as I'm sure all the bands do, but yeah, Mirex is such an exciting band to be in. Yeah, I love Murex and I'm really excited because, yeah, I haven't had a chance to to catch you with Murex or cheerleaders just because I was I was traveling Barcelona and then pets it in. So I'm excited. To, uh, is is there plans to continue all three bands and, oh, and do stuff? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all three excited. have been very busy recording during COVID and all three have lots of plans. I get, oh, yeah, I, it's all going to hit me like a truck when I come out and I realize I've you know, committed to like 4,000 things. And I'm also planning to start my MA in September, but we'll see how it goes. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, what about, like, especially playing in Mirex mm-hmm. and, and having people who are in two bands, <laughs> you, do you, do you all get along? Do you find it easy <laughs> to get along? Yeah. Because, cause you know, you spend like, yeah, yeah. You spend a lot of time with each other. Yeah, for sure. Like even, I mean, Fresh was, before lockdown, Fresh was so touring intense. Um, but the th- like, as I said, like I, like we, we, we picked these bands and these lineups kind of just happened organically because we're so close. But yeah, it's any, like any kind of relationship, spending a lot of time together. There's, of course, there's conflict and, and disagreements and stuff. But yeah, I think, I think the we all we all work really well together and we all know each other really really well and we've all supported each other through some really like really difficult stuff so yeah we we just we we just know know each other well enough to kind of mostly bump bump along <laughs> um but yeah i think yeah I, yeah um i think our personalities fit well well enough that we don't have any more issues than any relationship <laughs> it's i think it's um it speaks a lot for all of the people involved right because when you see people who can have conflict because it's definitely involved but choose to continue creating mm. things together mm. it shows that they're willing to adapt and willing to kind of deal with that stuff and it's not like some people can't deal with that stuff at all yeah. like I think it takes like, it takes like maturity, emotional maturity, I guess is what you call it. And I'm definitely trying to learn and grow with that because yeah, I mean, I started touring from 18. So yeah, I I definitely, I've learned a lot. Um, Yeah. Like interpersonal relationships, like I've definitely done. And I think COVID has done me some emotional good, probably like, (laughs) I think, (laughs) but yeah, like, and and fresh that there's an age gap in fresh like the dan and dan and george especially are kind of older than me and i think i think that's been like quite like a positive force um to have that kind of like more mature outlook <laughs> no yeah no no for sure it's um like you know it's it's all fair and good like talking about what we ideally want the punk scene to be mm. but for a long time there was a lot of bands that didn't want like it was all white men of the same age like yeah and it's not healthy it, it like breeds like bad 
habits, like really bad habits. I think so. Cause you just get, you just get so, so stuck, like, so kind of insular. That's the thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's, I think it's done me a lot of good to, that's why I've started cheerleaders. You know, I was like, well, I'm just playing with cis white men. Like I want to play with women, like other people a bit more like me. And that was incredible. And I think it's really helped. Um, and like, I really like that all of our bands bleed into each other. Like we just finished recording for fresh, but Soph and Phoebe came along and they did some great vocals and stuff. And like, I'm also a really big fan of the band Finnish flag. So Sophie plays bass and cheerleaders. She plays guitar and Finnish flag. And oh, they're such an amazing band. Rich also produces them. And so hopefully Dexter will be doing some vocals for us as well. But yeah, like I Finnish flag. Finnish flag, yeah, they're great. Their song. Writing that down. What's their <sighs> mm, I think either Swing Those Voters to the Left or Garden are really good songs to check out. They're from the album that Rich share. Rich produced. I was I was running to the nice. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think, yeah, you're right. I think historically, maybe in the scene, like traditionally, bands have been like fixed units. But these days, like, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, like 2000 anymore. You're not going to make a middle class income off selling some CDs. Like these days, if you want to really be involved in music, I think it's good to be in multiple projects and to kind of like try out different things and, you know, just know as many people as possible like yeah I I often I think I do bite off more than I can chew but maybe we probably all do but we just love being involved (laughs) no and and it's good and I think that it's important especially for punk bands to learn to to do all aspects of Mm -hmm. that stuff because that's the only way to to make it sustainable to earn enough off it to keep going and not burn out completely Yeah, completely. And like, you will make mistakes, but that's the point of it. Like you, through trial and error, it's impossible to not come out the other side after a few years, just knowing and feeling more confident in your abilities. Completely, completely. Yeah. You will definitely make mistakes. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 like back in, back in the, the days of HTML coding websites, I definitely deleted websites a few times just by like putting a word in wrong and the whole band website's gone. And it's like, Oh, I spent five days working. On oh that. my God. I can only imagine. It was horrible. Uh, you used to be able to do something like that on MySpace as well. You we used to code MySpace and then accidentally delete it. And it was like, Oh, just got to start fresh. I mean, I, I do not know anything about coding, but there was a point in my life when I was about 16 where I was like HTML coding my Tumblr blog. And I never accidentally deleted it, but I always felt so proud of myself when I could do like a change my cursor or do like a fun For style sure. thing. That's as far as I got with coding. Um, our, our, our bassist, George, is a web developer and he's he's been so great for like a lot of the more remote stuff that we've been working on. And like, it's great to have him like help with stuff like that. <laughs> That's very useful for sure. I want to touch on on the videos you've you've done for Fresh because I really like the the whole concepts behind them, like the visuals. Who who do you work with? Uh, so depending how far back, our uh, going to Brighton music video was John O'Gans, who does he does art for like he did the Girl Cloud artwork, for example. Um, he's done art for Happy Accents, Cheerleaders, and Mirex um i think he was he was he was flatmates with uh rich and phoebe and that's how they maybe that's how they met originally but he's just the the great thing about jono is that like he's 
he's really music orient, oriented as well. Like he has a lot of the same taste. So like for Girl Cut, we just sent him the song and said we kind of wanted like a scrapbooky thing. And we sent him that picture of um, me at the, that was like the last show Fresh played pre-COVID, but we sent him that and he came out with that and it was great. Um, and he, he's like, he works, does a lot of animation as well, a lot of animation work. So the Going to Brighton music video was great for that. I think it was, it was like underlaid with like, handheld filmed like landscape like videos and they were taken a lot of them were taken where I lived in France and in the kind of some of them as well are like from the European tour I think Venice is in there and like Austria and stuff like really beautiful places basically yeah (laughs) which is nice that's really cool do you do you enjoy that aspect of of creating art or are you kind of like? Well, I wish I was like. I wish I was the. I was talented in a in a like visual art way. Like, I loved drawing as a kid. I, uh, my little sister is an incredible artist, but I'm not really. But I love it. Like, art is so important to me, and so yeah. Like, I get so excited even when we're just doing like a t-shirt design. Like, we never just like like mindlessly churn something out. Like, I'm always like. So Soph, who who plays bass in cheerleaders, she's also an artist, and she does. She's done quite a lot of art for fresh and she does most of the art for cheerleaders but it's always great working with artists because like I don't have the skills to like put into practice what I want in my mind but Jono and Soph they're so talented that they can do it and it's oh it's so satisfying and great like seeing your like your music put onto paper (laughs) yeah yeah no I, I I love yeah it's I love all the aspects of like creating stuff and it coming together for release is so fun it's so great to have like a whole package like it shouldn't be and I think like I love it when a band goes beyond the the song like and they have accompanying like visuals and like like a narrative and stuff I'm a sucker for that stuff so I always try and do that in fresh (laughs) that's really cool and with the videos are you comfortable in front of the camera well I mean I'm not uncomfortable but it's not my forte like yeah yeah I think yeah there's there's a lot of pressure when you're a woman in a band to be like (laughs) to be like incredibly like devastatingly good looking and sexy and also like a bit childlike but also really mature but also really what there's a lot of things and that's another thing I would love to love to be able to act like that sounds really fun but I have the kind of face where I just like go bright red and like my face gets all like weird and scrunchy and yeah (laughs) I mean I'm I'm yeah I don't dread it and like I enjoy like I love performing but if it's yeah music like video stuff is not really it's not like why I want to be in a band it's not the reason I got involved with it um yeah I think there's lots of other beautiful people that are better at it than me Um, (laughs) it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because like we were saying, there's so many aspects that come into like creating stuff for, for a band and marketing yeah. it and working on it. And yeah. there's going to be aspects that people don't enjoy as much yeah, as, sure. as others. Tiring as well. Like having to redo things over and over and all that kind of stuff is, is yeah, heavy. Um, but I think it's, it, I always find it interesting. I, I, I'm one of those people that would love to be able to act and sometimes yeah. thinks he can. And then if there's anyone else in the room, I freeze and I'm like, nah. <laughs> you love, I mean, I love doing it in front of my mirror with a hairbrush as a microphone. That's yeah. unparalleled fun. But yeah, God, if it, once the pressure's there and once there are people watching you and you can compare yourself to other people, I, I, I'm, I mean, I, I, 
I probably am a bit of a narcissist, but I'm not that much of a narcissist. Like I don't think I'm that good. I do remember when I, I, I was lucky enough that I was able to be in like a milk teeth music video as like a kind of extra Becky just wanted like fellow, fellow musicians and kind of people in it. And that you had to learn the lyrics to the milk teeth song, which was fine. You know, we'd got it in advance. I liked it. So it was easy. And then you had to just stand there with the microphone and sing it to the camera big like it was in like where was it, it was set in Hoban Studios somewhere like really posh central London fancy and there were you know obviously like five camera operators the band or the extras watching and it was and it was terrifying but then through the magic of editing and cinema I think I don't look I don't, it doesn't no one looks awkward and a few people were like DIY kind of like definitely not used to that kind of atmosphere and we all look like we're having a great time. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm too hard on myself. Maybe, maybe I could be an incredible actress. Um, That's I'm it. never going to test that out, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I actually, maybe when I said like, I don't enjoy music videos, that's not true. Cause I did enjoy that one. I just don't think it's not really an area I'm interested in developing. Like, yeah, it's, it's it, it, visuals are great, but I've never been like a film person. I'm, I like art and I like music. <laughs> That's yeah, that's really interesting because uh, yeah, I think it's you get people who come at things from different angles exactly, and what yeah. inspires them yeah. is different. Like some musicians yeah. love films like Yeah, and like one of my close friends, she's the kind of person who like to relax or put on a, like a proper film, not a movie, a film. Like some people are film people. I I get overwhelmed by that and then I'll just watch it's always sunny again for the 15th time. <laughs> that you know, people unwind in different ways and some people like I can, I like when I'm on tour and stuff, I'll, I'll, I'll read like a, a big book in like a day. Other people aren't really into reading. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's down to what you, what you like and the kind of media you like to consume, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. On the subject of books, do you want to recommend some books? I love, I, I make lists every time I, I, every time someone likes reading, I need to add to my list. I've got such great recommendations for you. So, um, so during recording, I read and finished uh, Hollywood Park by Mikel Gillette. Might be pronouncing his name wrong. Um, he was the singer and I guess like front, like person behind the band, the Airborne Toxic Event, which I've never listened to. But apparently okay. we were quite a big band in the early 2000s, 90s, I'm not sure. But he, it's a memoir of his life and the, and it's not about music at all, really. It gets mentioned towards the end, but the the kind of driving force of his memoir, I think it's like a New York Times bestseller. It's great. It came out this year. Got it for Christmas. Um, <laughs> the driving force of it is that he was born into Synanon, which was a California cult, and he escaped when he was, wow. I want to say, like four. So it's kind of about like the after effects of yeah that's heavy yeah yeah incredibly written I loved it that sounds awesome yeah highly recommend it I also read Boy Parts by by Eliza Clark um which is like this incredible I would say feminist like fiction like a thriller like a horror kind of thing Okay. If you like to like sharp objects or Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. Yeah. Um, Gone Girl's great. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a whodunit. It's not necessarily murder central, but it's very dark, very funny. So it's such a great like exploration of like sexuality as well as a woman. Um, I can see this being on like a first year gender studies module in a few. Okay. Basically, it's great. That was, yeah, super good. Um, 
And then right now, because I finished Hollywood Park, I'm reading, I'm reading for like the 400th time because it's like one of my comfort reads. I'm reading Heavier Than Heaven, which is the okay. of Kurt Cobain. Oh, I've got it. It's so back there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing. Jane's so Jane started reading it. Yeah. Um and she put it down. She was like, it's too depressing for me. She was like, it's it, too heavy. It, it's, like it's child it's heavier than heaven, too man. much for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's funny because I so all our stuff's in a locker in Barcelona because we left it all in a locker, went traveling Asia and haven't managed to get it back because of COVID. Um, and it's been three years now. Um, because Yeah, we were planning on getting it back last year. Not It hasn't happened yet. But I have my copy in there. I'd read it already. And I bought it again because I wanted to reread it and I wanted her to read it. Um, it's so good. One of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you like it. Like it, this, the, the most recent read I did of it, it's the first time I've read it since I was probably about 19. So quite a while. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, like I like I called it a comfort read. It is very dark. I don't know why I'm drawn to it. But the start and finish of it are written like a book. Absolutely. It's like a novel. He's a great it's writer. So well written. There's a lot reading it now in a different lens. There's a lot of it that I find that I, that hits differently in like a kind of like, I think when I read it as a teenager, I was completely idolizing Kurt reading it. Now I'm like, I'm seeing a lot of flaws. There's a lot of things that he's done, especially when he was, you know, kind of like a late teenager and stuff where through the lens of anyone else, it would be unacceptable. Yeah. And like, I think, I think he was very, I think I, I wish I could tell you, I'm like literally looking at the book, but it's too far away to read the author, but he does a great job. Um, like just painting a whole picture of him and the flaws and stuff. And it's, I mean, it's a great story. I know it's, his, I know it was real life, but it, the kind of figure of such a, such a huge star to, to die so tragically, you know, of course you're drawn to it in a really like kind of like morbid way. I think I'm definitely, I'm absolutely attracted to that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very sad, but for some reason really satisfying. Yeah, no, it's, it is a very good book. And I think there's something you touched on, which I, I talk about a lot mm-hmm. on the podcast, how punk rock and alternative lifestyles were portrayed mm-hmm. and some of the things that were portrayed as glamorous, mm-hmm. um, like substance abuse, yeah. over drinking, just like yeah. how you treat women, yeah. um, all that stuff. Yeah, And I think it's only recently that we actually start to look at how how that's affected people like yeah a lot of people died for it but the people that are still alive like have had a lot of fucked up shit happen and also like Like, the unnamed people that were hurt as a consequence of it like like, you're so right like mental health and yeah like sexual abuse and stuff like in that biography like a thing I don't ever remember even I don't remember when I read it the the first few times I read it but I don't know how old Kurt was, probably like 18, but there's there's a there's a episode documented where he he loses his virginity to a, a girl with learning disabilities and later the girl's father reports him to the police. It's and horrific. He kind yeah. of and the way it's portrayed and the quotation is kind of bragging. Kurt says, The police went to my high school to try and identify me and they got out the yearbook, but the only reason I wasn't caught was because I didn't show up for yearbook photo day. And the way that's the way he says that is such a bravado kind of wasn't even in school to get caught, man. And it's like, wow, caught for what? Like, but then reading that literally the other day when I read that for the first time in years, didn't notice it when I was 19, 
or, you know, if I did notice it, it didn't stick with me. And so it's shocking how, how through different lenses, like stuff like that shows up. And I think that's what I'm talking about where I'm saying like the flawed portrait of him, like there's, there's stuff yeah. he's done that I can't reconcile. And I've always been a fan of, of Kurt and Nirvana, but yeah, I think, I think it is really hard to like reconcile that with the new, the consciousness we have now and the, the way that punk rock was portrayed, as you said. And I also think like in terms of like the mental health stuff and the substance abuse and stuff, I think a reason I'm probably drawn to that stuff is because it's, it's familiar and it, I recognize you recognize yourself in it. And it's that yeah. kind of darkness attracting darkness thing. And I don't think it's healthy totally. And like, I think that's an issue with punk. Like you're trying to sing about stuff, you know, and stuff that's affected you because it's cathartic to get out and it's important to talk about it, but you also don't want to glamorize it or you don't want to draw people into it or portray it in a way that's like, you know, I don't know, attractive. <laughs> yeah, no, I started falling into that trap, like for sure. Like, like, cause I, I smoked and, and it's, it was easier to write songs, like talking about that in a positive way, yeah. because you find, you find people who connect with you. Especially when um, you're younger, like you don't necessarily have life experience to write songs about other things. Yeah, and and I think also as a way just to like seem cool. Like I I was tired of writing depressing songs yeah. about all this crap stuff. So I was like, cool, I want to write happy songs now. And the easiest way to do that is to sing about getting drunk and getting high. Like yeah, absolutely. Um, Catherine, I've enjoyed chatting so so much, and uh, I hope we can chat more. I can't wait yeah. for gigs to be back so we can uh, properly hang out. I know um, it'll be great. It, is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything that's coming out soon? Obviously, Girl Clout link will be in the bio, but anything else? Um, nothing besides Girl Clout. Yeah, give it a listen. Um, send it to someone if you think you would like it. Um, it's only two minutes long, so even if you don't like it, it's not a huge loss. You can brush your teeth through it. That's what someone said to It's me. great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling everyone it's great. Um, thank you so, so much. Thank um, you, and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for checking out that episode of the podcast and super grateful to Catherine for coming on and chatting. Really, really appreciate it. The links for Girl Clout are in the bio. The links for all three bands, Fresh, Mirex, Cheerbleeders, as well as all the social links for them are underneath. Make sure you go check out the music. Uh, try and catch them live if you're able to when gigs come back. Support them in any way you can. We all know how much bands need the help right now. Uh, and yeah, if you enjoyed that episode, make sure you go back through and check out some of the ones we've recorded in the past. There is a load of good ones to listen to. A couple I recommend uh, would be sticking with, with the local scene. Big Scary Monsters, who are obviously associated with me, Rex, anyway. I chatted to Kevin Douch. Um, that is a real good one to start off with. And then maybe you can move on to the one with Beth Shalom Records. Uh, I chatted to Joe Booley, who set that up. They're also super busy in the UK DIY punk scene um, and music scene in general. Uh, so yeah, hope you enjoy it. Buy us a coffee if you want to support the show. That always helps. But if not, just tell your mates about this episode. Share it about anyone who knows about the show. That always helps. Leave me a message, say hello, 
I like hearing from you. Take it easy.